Warning, I don't give a shit what you think. Now please enjoy my opinions. Are you alright? No, I'm not alright. No. I've got to stay sober for two weeks. I'm not going to make... Well, would you look at that? We are back here yet again with another episode. Episode 7 of A Real Treat. I am your host, Charlie Rhodes. And without me, there would be no cars. But without my co-host... There would be no milk, Dalton Titshaw. Well, hello, Charles. Thank you for having me. And thank you for bringing milk to the world. Oh, man, it brings everybody to my yard. All right. Yeah, the milkshake brings my boy to the yard. Oh, hey, you got the reference. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. uh, episode seven, uh, last episode, we talked about the movie Amelie, a French film. I'd seen it a couple times, and uh, I'm glad I could show you the movie, Dalton. What did you think about it? I appreciate you bringing that out and uh, showing it to me, Charles, because I never would have seen it. Honestly, I thought it was just some romance flick that happened to be French, and I'm good on those. But it is so much more than that. In fact, what it actually is is the story of a stalker that we all wish we had. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's this girl, uh, this, this beautiful, cute, uh, adorable French and shy French woman who uh, finds this guy and falls in love with him, basically, and then... Makes him go on essentially what like a scavenger hunt to try and find her and, and so that they can meet and uh, but more than that it it's a beautiful film and it's nothing like I've ever seen in Hollywood and I loved that the most about it it didn't look like anything that you've seen from America it was very French and I loved that I think that was cool I think it was tailored to the American audience just because of how French it was but I, I, I'm with you I love some of the cinematography I mean some of the the angles and yeah, shots, the shots that they got they, from yeah. like underneath the little photo shooting booth mm-hmm. thing that you had you see at like American malls and stuff like that yes like just all those little random shots plus I love what you said about you know uh, she made him go on the scavenger hunt because that's just the type of girl she is. He, she had to make sure that this man was fucking worthy of her love because that's, that's what she did with her, wor- you know, her world. She she found people that deserved happiness and then went out there and kind of helped them and shoved them along to find it. Yes, and I loved that that she was out there to help other people achieve happiness, and that was how she found happiness. And it was also a story of how she was finding her own happiness. Exactly. Aside from all of those people, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I really liked how. She did these good deeds for others, but she didn't care whether she got the glory, whether whether they knew that it was because of her or not. Right. And uh, that, to me, is very cool. You know, you, you think of people like giving a homeless man a $20 bill but filming it on Instagram so everybody can see. She didn't do that. Yeah. You would never see it anywhere on social media. She just gave the man the $20 yeah, bill. It was about her and her own peace and her own light and happiness. And that just, that's a great uh, lesson that we all can take from it. And not only would she like give him the $20 bill, that homeless man, but she would like, she would like make him like chase it around like the park that maybe he loved to go feed the ducks at every day. You know, like yeah, that, that's just know, what she would that do. Reminds she me would of- find that happiness that they got in their lives and then. And then give them the real pleasure of it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So my final thoughts on this, there were a couple things that I really loved. The first one is that one scene. It's very short. It's like 30 seconds long. It's when she uh, takes that blind man around. The, the town or, you know, through the through the streets. And she's ex- she's uh, explaining to him what everything looks like. Oh, there's a dog. There's a, a kid licking an ice cream cone. Yeah. And there and the dog is looking at the kid eating the ice cream cone. <laughs> and it's, and she's she's painting this picture for this blind man. Mm-hmm. And to see the joy that just arises on it, the, the joy and the surprise that's on his face as he's just loving this. And yeah. he, he has no idea where this came from, but he's along for the ride. And then she, and at the end, she just leaves him and she runs up the stairs. And she's okay, gone. hey, you're at this spot now. I got to run. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And so the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to Amelie is the guy who played the uh, the handicap uh, guy mm. who who worked at the fruit stand yeah. who was abused by his uh, the fruit stand owner. I thought he did a masterful job of performing that role, and he deserves many, many more roles. I mean, this was, what, 2000 or 2001, so I, yeah. I need to go look at his filmography. See, I'm sure that um, someone saw his performance and was like, this guy deserves other things. And so. Well, and this is probably the only French film I've seen, so he might he's probably one of the best French actors for all I know. Yeah, you we know? need to check that out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's Amelie, if you haven't seen it. It's a wonderful French film. Yeah, get past the subtitles. Really, just just watch that movie. It, it is a beautiful yeah, film. Yeah, it's definitely recommended. And uh, now we're just going to get into our top 80s films. So Very, very excited. I know. Who are you going to call? You, Ghostbusters. <laughs> anyway, 80s films. Here we go. Let's go. Number 10 for me, my man, is a little-known movie called Summer School. Huh. I wanted to put this on my list. It's not like the greatest 80s movie. It's really not in the top 10 of 80 movies. But we know that, and we've already solidified that these the, the movies that we talk about are not the best 10 of our genre. They are just our favorites. Sure, yeah. So I wanted to include this. It's uh, in 1987. It's directed by Carl Rayner, and it stars Mark Harmon of NCIS fame. Also stars Kirstie Alley of like uh, the Atkins Diet fame, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It takes two. It takes two, baby. Olsen twins, yeah. And and also Ken Oland. So it's about a high school uh, gym teacher who is forced to teach a remedial English class during the summer. He's forced to teach a summer school. He thinks he's going to go on vacation. He's ready to go. But then uh, at the last second, the teacher who is going to teach that class uh, bows out. I think she gets pregnant or so, something happens to where she can't teach it. So he has to step in. He can't go on his vacation. He's bummed about it. The teacher or the students are bummed about it because they're in summer school. And then it's all about him connecting with the students during this class uh, over the course of this summer. And at the end, they have to take this final exam in which even one of the characters goes into labor because she's pregnant during the final exam. It's it's a pretty cool movie. It's a great comedy. And it even includes a guy in there where every time he shows up to class, he's really tired. And nobody knows why. And then you find out about halfway through that he's a male stripper. Nice. So it has male strippers. It's a it's a great 80s like summer flick. It's a nice feel good movie. Have a good time watching it. You're not it's not going to blow your mind, but you'll have a good time watching it. And so I wanted to put it on there because I saw it and it really surprised me how much I enjoyed it. So there you go. Number 10 for me. Summer school. Nice. I uh in my experience, I hated summer school, but I haven't seen that movie, so maybe I'll finally uh, find some better. enjoyment in summer school. Yeah, dude, I hated so. it too, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had summer school as well? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Oh, that shit sucks. Not surprisingly. Number 10 for me is Platoon. Um, whoa, no, whoa, Platoon. I know. Uh, it's only number 10 here because it just didn't quite make my top 10 war movies, which is going to be on a future Yo, it's episode. Be my, like top five. I, I can't blame you. It, it's a great movie. But cool. All right, go ahead about Platoon, brother. Excellent film, excellent cast. Uh, this was directed by Oliver Stone, came out in 1986, and it's starring Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, Keith David, Forrest Whitaker, John C. McGinley, and even Johnny Depp is in there uh, for a little bit. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, really good Vietnam movie packed with a lot of action. Uh, this movie also really portrays some of the ugliness of the Vietnam War 
and the conflicts between the two countries and also the conflicts within our own side because we were doing some nasty shit over there. Um, personally, me, I, I think that this is Willem Dafoe's best role in his career. Oh, yeah, definitely. If not, if not one of his top three. It's definitely the one that made him. Have you seen the one where he plays da Vin uh, not Da Vinci, um, Van Gogh? Vincent Van Gogh? I, I haven't, but I, should, it's yeah. on my list of, of ones that'll be, to watch. That'll be, you might change your mind after it. but yeah. And then, of course, uh, him and, like, uh, Spider-Man, Green Goblin, that was awesome. Too, oh, with so. the glider at the end, like yeah. just the whole way through playing Harry Osborn, he's fantastic. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, but if you like war movies, uh, this is definitely worthy of a watch. A uh, couple fun facts: apparently, during filming, Charlie Sheen was almost thrown out of a helicopter, and Keith David grabbed him oh. at the last second and pulled him back in. Oh, what? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we would have missed out on some really great movies and TV shows had Sheen fallen out. So, uh, thank you, Keith David, for uh, for saving Charlie Sheen's life. You just became even more awesome in my book. Yo, would we have not had Hot Shots Part Duh? Right, right. Yeah. I, I don't even... I, <laughs> or well, Major League? I was going to say, I think Major League came out like the same year. So oh, okay. I don't, I don't know if it was Who before or after, yeah. but yeah. And two and a Half Men would have never been around. So, anyway... Uh, an another last little fun fact about Platoon. Uh, the first draft of this movie was written in 1971, uh, which is 16 years before, or 15 years before it was even shot. But only like um, five years after the Vietnam War closed, right? Right. I mean, exactly. don't quote me, but like, you know. Yeah, something like that. But uh, and, and the original script was sent to Jim Morrison from the band The Doors. What? In hopes that he would play the character that Charlie Sheen ultimately ended up playing. Even crazier is that Jim Morrison had the script on him when he was found dead in Paris in the, of the same year, 1971. So would have been interesting if uh, Jim Morrison didn't die, and maybe he would have played uh, Charlie Sheen's character. It's crazy to think about. Jim Morrison died when he was 27. So did Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. So did Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Um, uh, and I then Janis Joplin. Well, no, she was 26. No, she, she was 26, Janis yeah. Joplin was James Dean, but, very young. Well, but he wasn't 27. James Dean was what, like? 23 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but still, young, I mean, yeah, we lost a lot of a lot of good people at it. Yeah, early and the age. list is bigger than that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that's my number 10 is Platoon. That's crazy, man, but thank you for sharing that with me, man. Uh, my number nine, I'm going to have a, a couple of animated movies on this on this uh, list. Okay. Uh, only because uh, a lot of my 80s movies that I wanted to put on this list, they deserve to be on other lists. Right. So I, I included a couple of animated movies, but they're still deserving regardless. Sure. So number nine, having said that, for me is The Land Before Time. Ah, oh, I haven't seen that in years, but I love <laughs> yeah, that movie. That's, before time. that's the dinosaurs, but the like the, the little dinosaurs are being followed by like two Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? That's yeah, the first one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's not the whole. I mean, yes, that their journey is is to get to um, the Great Valley, right? And and they are followed by two Tyrannosaurus Rexes, but it's more so just about like the character development of the of the characters, right? Of the of the little kids, essentially. So it's nineteen eighty eight, directed by Don Bluth, and it stars the voice talents of Pat Hingle, Gabrielle Dam. And Judith Barcy, and we'll get to Judith Barcy. We'll get. To, I know you know who Judith Barcy is because we were talking about this before. We'll get to that. I know. I know. So, Land Before Time. For anybody who hasn't seen it, I, I'd be surprised if you haven't. But it's okay if you haven't. You, still, if you haven't, you should go see it. But it's about an orphan brontosaurus, Littlefoot, who goes in search of Great Valley, like I mentioned before, a land where dinosaurs can live in peace. It's essentially like the the land of milk and honey, if you will, right? 
And along the way, he comes across Ducky, Sarah, and Petrie. We all know them. If you've seen them, we know them. We know them well. They were staples of our childhood. Definitely. And uh, man, it, it, and also it, it has a few things that you're gonna remember. You're gonna remember the tree star. That tree star. That, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it also has that iconic volcano scene in which the T-Rexes are a part of. Yeah. Yes. Where they're, they're essentially hopping over the lava. Ducky's there. It, it, it's, it's, it's extremely, um, what would I say, it's, uh, like suspenseful. Okay. That's great. And it, it, it's, it's, it's adrenaline packed. For a kid's movie, it's great, man. And for an 80s movie, fantastic. That's why I had to add it. So a little trivia of it. None of the cast members, uh, as far as voice casting goes, appear in every movie. Huh. I know. Yeah, I, I know they, why they, one of them probably, but Yeah, one of them, the girl who voiced Ducky. Her name is Judith Barcy. She died, man, she died in a murder suicide along with her mother, and the one who yeah. committed the homicide was her father and she was only 10 years old. Yeah. It's a little sad, a little sad. sad. I know it's a little morbid. We're going to get a little lighter as we go along, I'm sure, but I just had to add it, man, because it, Judith Barcy deserves to have that uh you know, recognition. recognition yeah. yeah, yeah, I get it is the best way I could say it. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to end it on that note. The Land Before Time, if you haven't seen it, definitely please go watch it. And if you have seen it, but you don't remember it very well, still go watch it. Land Before Time, 1988, Don Bluth. My man, that was number nine. Sweet. Number nine for me. Hold on. I'm going to get to it in just one second. One of my favorite parts of this job is, yeah, what you're doing right there is opening a beer because you can't <laughs> fucking... Cheers, I ain't, ain't going to get in trouble for opening a beer Boom. while we record this. So, uh, not I mean, are you over 21? Uh, I, you don't look yeah. 21. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm 30, so we're This good. motherfucker has looked 18 since he was 8. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was. I looked 12 when I was 18. Now that I'm 30, I finally look like I'm 20, so it's fine. But anyway. Uh, yeah, debatable. All right. It's the mustache. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, all it is. It took right, me a while to grow, nine? too. Are we on number nine still? We're on number nine all still. All right, hit it, hit it. Number nine for me is another action movie, only this one involves naval pilots who fly F-14s and MiGs. Is you it? You guessed it. The 1986 Hot film. Hot part two. Top oh. Gun. You were close. <laughs> sort of. Uh, I don't think there's like... No Top Gun, pilots. directed by Tony Scott. Starring Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Tim Robbins, Anthony Edwards. Um, this is just a great action movie. And this movie is about a guy named Maverick, who is an excellent pilot and is accepted to the elite Top Gun Naval Flying School. There's, of course, uh, problems with other men at the school as they compete to be the best. Uh, some I mean, serious... as egos. Yeah, exactly. Them. And there's some serious drama between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. And also a very disheartening scene involving the character Goose. Oh, man. When Goose, he, I know. he breaks his neck, like, trying to eject. Isn't uh, that how he dies? Yeah. It's so sad. Were you going to get to that? I'm sorry. No, but it, it's okay, because that's just such a sad part of that movie. But I do, I love the I love the movie, and I love the soundtrack to this movie as well. Because anytime I hear the, you know, the Danger Zone, no, 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 Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. Well, anytime I hear that song, I immediately think of this movie. Yeah. However it goes. I used to know that song on guitar, man. Such a good movie, man. Such a good good song as well. A little bit of other sad news containing this movie, another death. Uh, Uh, Oh, was it the... Yeah, go ahead. One of the stunt pilots, his name was Art Scholl or Skull. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but... He was killed during the making of this film when he and his S2 camera plane 
plunged into the ocean, and neither the aircraft or his body was ever recovered. Uh, they did end up dedicating this film to Art, and we thank Art for all of his awesome stunts and stuff that he was doing, because without him, this movie wouldn't have been anything. So, um, really, really, really sad fact, but a more uplifting fun fact is that Top Gun is a real flight school, and they actually fine any student who quotes the movie Top no Gun. Way. They fine them $5 if they quote this movie. I so. feel the need. The need for speed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. But that's my number nine, Top Gun. What's number eight for you, man? Wow, man. Hey, um, let's take just a second to – let me take a second to just appreciate the fact that you uh, honored the, uh, a man who lost his life trying to make a film. Yeah. Because that – I wouldn't say it's the ultimate sacrifice, but it's still a sacrifice. You, you know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. And it sucks that they never recovered his body, too. Like, yeah, that's you know, weird. For his family and stuff. That really sucks for them. Yeah. But thank you, Art, for, yeah, for your hard work. Thank you, in that Art, film. and thank you, Art's family. Like, uh, I'm, I don't know if they're ever going to listen to this, but I, I just hope that ever, if they ever do, they appreciate the fact that we, or you in particular, honored them. Yep. And honored Art. So thank you, man. That, that, that really, dude. Honestly, man, that shows a lot of heart. I mean, this is a lighthearted show. Thank you for. Hopefully, I tried to be. I mean, but, <laughs> but hey, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta say the facts, and that was just that happened to be a sad fact. That so. was, oh yeah, that was cool. So okay, let's go a little bit more lighthearted, and let's go to my number eight with the Lost Boys. Nice. Do you have that on your list? I, it's not on my list. It, okay. It's a good movie, though. I, it might I, be yeah. on your monsters. You never know. Yeah. Uh, I considered it for my monsters list, but I, ultimately I wanted to put it in my 80s list. It was in 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher, and starring Kiefer Sutherland, my man from 24 fame. I used to watch that with my dad. We watched every season together. Back when I was in middle school and high school, I loved that show. I loved Kiefer Sutherland. And you know who his dad is, right? Oh, Donald. My favorite, my favorite movie by Donald. Uh, well, not he's not in it for very long, but it's the Italian job. Mine would be probably the Hunley, one of them at Which least. Which you need to show me still. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah, that submarine movie, right? Yeah, he's great in that movie. We'll see that, and we're going to talk about it in a later episode. But let's move on. Uh, it also stars Jason Patrick and Corey Ham. It's about a mother... And her two sons, they move to a small town on the coast of California, which is plagued by mysterious deaths. I wonder why. Maybe because there's vampires. <laughs> anyway. Wait, do the boys get lost in this? And, and they get lost in their own uh, existentialism. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. okay. So just let me continue. Yeah. Uh, better than the found boys, I guess. So cool. Yeah. Go ahead, that that, that was lesser received by the <laughs> critics. <laughs> Robert Ebert scored it like a three <laughs> as opposed to an eight for this. Right. All right. Anyway, so the younger. All right. So, so it's about a mother and her two sons. They moved to a small town on the coast of California. The, the younger of the two sons. He makes friends with two other boys who are self-proclaimed vampire hunters, while the elder son turns into a vampire himself. And, you know, honestly, the movie just basically writes itself from there. But uh, ultimately, what I want to say, uh, what I want to say about it is I just love Keith, Kiefer Sutherland as like one of the leaders of the elder like vampires, the Lost Boys, uh, essentially. Um, and uh, it was a great role for him. And I, it's just a great 80s movie. Uh, you talk about vampires. There are great vampire movies. We know about this. I oh, mean, there's definitely. Dracula with, with Gary Oldman. Oh, and God. Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yes. Yes. And, hey, by the way, dude, I haven't told you this, but I've been, I've been listening 
if you if you have a Spotify account, you can listen to classic novels that are audiobooks. Nice. And I've been listening to. I'm almost done. I'm halfway through. There's four parts, and I'm through. I'm done with two of Bram Stoker's, or is it Brom? Doesn't matter. Bram Stoker's I always Dracula, Bram, yeah. and it's read by Christopher Lee. You know really? him? Yeah, 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 you know yeah. Christopher Lee. Yeah, he was Count Dooku in yes, uh, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. And and he was also one of the guys, uh, he was, uh, I don't know his name in, in Lord of the Rings, but he was one of the guys of the Twin Towers. Yeah, he was the... Not um, Twin Towers, I'm sorry, uh, the Two Towers. Yeah, he was the the, the, pro, or the antagonist. Sauron, he was yeah, the antagonist. He wasn't, of the second one. He wasn't, uh, oh God, now I'm blanking on the names. He wasn't something the gray, but he was the other one. He was uh, yeah. Solomon the White, I think is his I name. Th- I, I think you're right, yeah. yeah. But so, anyway, but so he, he, he reads Gandalf, that the, voice. <laughs> Gandalf is what I was Gandalf saying. Gandalf the gray. Gandalf He's not the Gandalf because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, Michael McKean. But no, Ian McKellen. I mean, Ian McKellen. Sorry, yeah. thank you. Thank you yeah, for yeah. correcting mm-hmm. me there. No, no worries. Uh, you know, another speaking of that, we're going to move on, I promise. But I also like Michael Gambon. Who oh. plays Dumbledore yes. in the in the later the yes. latter not Big the first time. two because I was Richard Harris right rest in he peace died. my yep. man that guy if but I will say if he had continued being Dumbledore I don't know where they would have went with Dumbledore in the movies oh yeah I'm not saying that he was bad because he was great but like he also was old he, yeah he was oh he was very old he was up there for sure it, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done I don't mean it would have been bad. Right. Because Michael Gambon, when he stepped in 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 uh, he, he took over that the role third movie with Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. he took over and he made that character his own. Yeah, and I appreciate For that. Sure. We'll get that. We'll we'll get to it when we get to. Oh, like we're definitely going to talk about Harry Potter at some point. Um, yeah. So no, anyway, that you know what? That's my number eight. Let's move on. How about your number eight, my man? Number eight for me is uh, I think it came 1987, so it came out the same year as your last uh, movie, uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, this is. Just an all-around weird-ass movie. This movie is fucking weird, but it's <laughs> and it's also it's also the second Coen Brothers movie ever made. The first one was uh, what Secret Blood or something like that. Um, I, I actually I think I, you're right. It was I've oh, never uh, Blood Simple. Blood Simple. Yeah, Blood Simple. I never I haven't seen that one, but um, it's still one of my one of my favorite Coen Brother movies that they've ever made. Uh, it's about a convict. Uh, Nicholas Cage plays, um, who gets married to a police woman, which is Holly Hunter, and oh. all she, all she wants in life is to have a family. Only she can't get pregnant, and they can't adopt because of her felon husband, Nicholas Cage. So what do they do? They steal one do of they the. They steal a baby. They steal a baby. I haven't seen this. They steal a baby. Yeah, they steal. Oh my they gosh. steal a baby. Is it a twin or some shit? No, it was one of five. It was a quintuplet. Oh, so okay, yeah. And they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they stole one of the babies, thinking that the parents wouldn't miss one of their five babies, but of course they do, and so they hire a bounty hunter, and that's when this movie really gets weird. But um, still. <laughs> A very awesome movie, uh, probably one a lot of people haven't seen or even heard of. But uh, didn't if you, if you uh, have Nicolas the Cage win a Oscar or like he, he was nominated or something for this? Am I wrong? Uh that I'm not sure. Or was of. that or was that um, that Las Vegas movie? I'm still unsure. Oh, okay, okay, but so I apologize. No, it's okay. Uh, still, uh, if if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you have the means, it's also got John Goodman in it, which is. Always great. Oh yeah, and then uh, Francis McDormand is also in it as what? well. What really yeah. from from three billboards outside Ebbing, yeah. Missouri? Oh, yeah, that's that's in my top ten. Dramas. We talked about this in my oh we talked about this in my top ten actors. That was Sam Rockwell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's all right. I'm actually done. So that was my number eight, Raising Arizona. 
If you have the means to watch it, go check it out. Number cool. seven to you, Dalton. Thank you, brother. Um, I appreciate it. And I apologize for interjecting, but let's move on to my number seven, which would be Heathers. Heathers. Yeah. How many Heathers? Uh, three. Mm. Yeah, I'll get to it. Okay, so. I just want two. <laughs> I mean, I'll take one. Heathers is a good <laughs> name. <laughs> I just want one Heather. Come on, Heather. I just want at? a female to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Michael Lehman, starring Winona Ryder. Christian Leitner. Now I really and, want Heathers. Oh, yeah. Winona Ryder. Oh, Oof. Christian Slater. Wait. I'll be mentioning no, no, her yeah. later. Anyway. Yeah, Winona Ryder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you know what I want to do with Winona Ryder? You want a Christian Slater? I was going to say I want a writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> She's great. She's great, man. She's she great is. in um, uh, Stranger Things. Also, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, Mr. Deeds. Oh, oh God. All right, well, one Mr. Up Deeds. Me. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, you had me no, in Mr. No, no, Deeds. Keep going. Keep going. I'll give her a Mr. Deed. What else you got with Winona Ryder? Uh, Shoplifting? She was in Friends and had a lesbian kiss with Jennifer Aniston. That was hot. Did she really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't like Friends, but I now do. <laughs> but now I do. <laughs> but now I do. <laughs> Watch every episode. Just get that one two-minute kiss. It's not even a two-minute kiss. It's two minutes. Yeah, it's like God a, damn. That's like a four-second kiss. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Four minutes. All right, four seconds makes Talk about seconds. Heathers, man. You know what? I'm going to talk about Heathers. <laughs> All right, so it's a story about Veronica played by... Winona Ryder, Winona, I want to write her, who is trying to make through, <laughs> she's trying to make it through a tumultuous high school career, right? By sticking with oh, essentially the plastics of the time. It's the three most popular girls and they're all named Heather. Uh, herein lies the name of the movie, Heathers, right? Uh, yeah. Therefore, uh, or, you know, moving on, uh, Veronica meets JD, played by Christian Slater, and... Her life spirals from there in high school, and it ultimately leads to this morbid confrontation with JD in the school boiler room. And if you haven't, if you have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about that boiler room scene. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen the movie, watch it. I mean, because it's a good movie, but watch it because I promise you, once it leads, it's going to lead up in a suspenseful thriller way to the boilers, the boiler room scene, and you're going to be appreciative. And you're going to be glad that you saw the movie. It's a great scene and ultimately makes the movie. The whole movie is great. But also, the reason why I put it on here is because I wanted to mention that there is a musical about it. Nice. It's called it's called Heathers. And uh, there's a song in the musical called My Two Gay Sons. And it's the fathers who sing about their two gay, son, their two gay sons who end up dying. And they get killed by the Heathers. And, uh, you know, you, you'll get to it. But... It's a it's a hilarious song, and it's uh, I wouldn't say a hilarious part of the movie, but it's a good part of the movie, and you'll enjoy it. Watch the movie, but also watch the musical too, because they're both great. Check them both out. That's my number seven. Nice. Uh, number seven for me would be Tootsie. Like check that Tootsie, bro. Anyway, okay, <laughs> Tootsie, really? nineteen eighty-two, directed by Sidney Pollack, uh, Pollack, uh, starring Dustin Hoffman, Jessica Lange. Twenty. Terry Garr, uh, Charles Durning. Um, this movie, I just saw this movie actually for the first time only about a month or two ago. And no shit, really. I loved it. We're in. Um, we're oh, yeah, in it took me a while. When, when did you see it? Uh, uh, September. Yeah, it was. It was like it was probably in August, like late August. So. Cool. All right. I'm sorry. Go on. No, go. it's okay. I loved it obviously because it made my top ten '80s films, uh, and I've only seen it once. Uh, but this movie is hilarious, and I, I love watching any movie about people trying to become actors or any film about theater, drama, acting, all that. Uh, another reason why I love the movie Birdman, we'll get there 
and the different Charles, episodes. Charles, can I interject? Sure. Mm-hmm. Can I interject for a quick second? Sure. Have you seen the show Barry on HBO? I have not. All right. If anybody out there has seen it, you'll understand why I brought it up just now. But for all of y'all who haven't, including you, Charles, mm-hmm. watch Barry. It's Bill Hader at his oh, absolute best. Dude, it's, he, he's his absolute best in when this When it show. comes to Bill Hader, I am not a hater. And it, and it has um it has the guy who plays um Fonzie back in the day. I don't remember his name. I'm um, sorry. Oh, I was just thinking about him the other day. Uh, Winkle. Fuck, yes, Henry Winkle. Henry, thank you. Henry yes. Winkle. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. All right. Thank you for the first name. He's awesome. Um, dude, absolutely one of the best shows that I've ever watched. And I had the privilege of acting under one of the guys who is a uh, not a recurring role, but he plays a prominent role in the show. Nice. He is the girl who is um, Bill Hader's like love interest. Essentially, he's one of her his acting uh, counterparts. Sure, he is his this guy Joe Massengill. He is her ex boyfriend, and he's in that for like a, a, a like maybe three or four minutes. But he he plays like this really dick ex boyfriend, mm. and I've had the pleasure of being able to act under him and be. Uh, like taught by him and this dude loves acting and it's so great go watch the scene with him and you're gonna understand why it's so cool to like you're gonna be like yo I wanna study under that guy if you're an actor yeah sure so yeah. anyway I just wanted to point it out I apologize go ahead that's okay uh, so we were talking about Tootsie um, this movie is about an unemployed actor who can't get any role or even an audition due to his reputation around the, around the town uh, unfortunately for him, he's actually a really good actor, and he should he should get parts, but no one's gonna hire him. So he dresses up like a woman, and then his very first audition as this woman, he lands a big role on a soap opera. So no now, shit. yeah, so now he has to become this woman all the time, and then he falls in love, and there's a whole bunch of other problems throughout the movie, like men falling in love with him, uh, as a woman, of course. Can, can I ask you? Because I haven't seen the movie. Does he fall in love with the woman, and does the woman think that he's a woman? Yes. So she think so she's a lesbian. So he has to try and convince her that you know he's wow good. That's really awesome. a man without blowing his cover. And actually, uh, I, th- I think Family Guy spoofs this in one of their yeah. episodes. Chuck and Larry kind of spoofs this. In it's a way. yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I I loved watching it. Um, and, it and it's Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, it's Dustin Hoffman. Man. Yes, and I have no doubt, honestly, that Mrs. Doubtfire was probably based heavily on this movie because this came out like i think 11 years after um and also you get to see my boy bill murray in this film once in a while so that's always a treat um great movie glad i finally checked it out it was worth it if you haven't seen tootsie go watch tootsie dalton what's your number six man thank you man dude tootsie thank you for bringing that up that was a cool movie to hear about man i need to go see it for real all right my number six is the movie that my name is based off of, anybody who knows me knows this movie. I know is, you. What is it? It's Roadhouse. It's fucking Roadhouse, That's my dude. number six, dude. Dude, it's your number six? That's my number Let's six. Let's talk about it together then. Fuck all right, yeah. all right. I'll, I'll introduce it, and then yeah. we'll just talk about it, yeah? Yeah. All right, cool. So it's Roadhouse, obviously. Yep. 1989, directed by Rowdy Harrington. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, Rowdy Harrington. That's Rowdy House. Oh, my. Ra- Roundhouse. Who? <laughs> Roadhouse, pow, pow. I mean, we all, if you know Family Guy, you know this this movie's fucking great. Oh, I love that part. So it stars Patrick Swayze, Sam Elliott, and Kelly Lynch. Oh, wow. Kelly Lynch. Tell me about Kelly Lynch. But anyway, anyway, 
I, I, if you don't know, man, I mean, I know I've talked to you about my middle name being Elliot. My middle name is it, my, my name. My full name is Dalton Elliot Titshaw, mm-hmm. but my middle name is Elliot. I've told you, yes, that it's named after the race car driver, Bill Elliot, mm. but that's not it. Like, that's not the Sam full Elliot. story. Sam Elliott's awesome. Sam Elliott, because it was a compromise between my parents. My dad was a race car lover. My dad loves NASCAR. He's a race car, uh, a race car driver. <laughs> he loves Bill Elliott, but my mom loves Sam Elliott because I mean, what woman doesn't, you know? And so they compromised on my middle name being Elliott. Two L's, two T's. I figured that out high senior year of my high school career, but that's a story for a different time. Um, but anyway, so I'm named after Bill Elliott and Sam Elliott, but also my first name Dalton is named after the main character that Patrick Swayze plays in this movie. So yep. two of my names are from this movie essentially that's, in that. That's pretty awesome. And so this movie had to be on my top eighties. It's not my number one because honestly, it's not the best movie. I'm not going to be a most biased asshole, but I will say that it deserves to be on there because I wanted to talk about it, man. Um, Me too. I love this movie. I, lo- I honestly, man. After I found that out, I got I was given like three copies of this movie. Really? When, when I told my friends, like, yo, I was named after Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. One of my birthdays when I was like 16 or 17, I got like three copies of this movie. I own three copies of this movie. I'm like, I own like the director's cut. Well, let me I get own one the regular. Home, I don't own this. I'll I'll give it uh, yeah when we get done I'll I'll grab I'll, I'll grab one for you so you can take uh, you know what that should be one of our movies later on that I show to you well I've seen it though oh never mind <laughs> All right, I'll just give it to you I just I'll don't give it own it you're right you're right you're right you're right I just you're don't right. own it but I should but what I wanted to say about it is that dude honestly after I watched this movie for the first time after realizing that I was named after it I only drank dark black coffee for like oh, yeah. a like a couple months <laughs> because Patrick Swayze's character Dalton says like. They they say, what do you want to drink? Oh, coffee, black, and he, and he, and that's what he drinks in that movie. Yeah. And and I drink that. And honestly, coffee black is kind of shit, but I love it <laughs> because of this movie. The throat rip, the throat rip at the end, oh, God, man. The stuffed it. seven foot bear falling and killing the guy at the end, man. And then the famous lines that Dalton has, like, "I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice." Yeah, I love it. I live by that shit, man. I used to, dude. And then when he says. Uh, well, it's not Dalton who says this, but this is another line. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. I love that. All right, and then I'm going to say one more thing. All right, it's, it's kind of a long, it's like, it's not just one line, but it's a whole like thing. Yeah. I'm going to say it and then let's hear your shit, okay? Okay. All right. Being called a cocksucker isn't personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. Well, what if someone calls my mama a whore? Is she? <laughs> yeah, that's a and, good one. All right, but and and, and I want to hear what you have to say. But ultimately, what I want to say is like, dude, who doesn't want to live in a barn like uh, that? You you pay like three hundred dollars a month to some old guy who's living who's running the farm, right? And you live up in the top, and you have no AC, and all you do is open your door or uh, excuse me, not the door, but the window, yeah. And you top, just smoke yeah. a cigarette, and you got this hot, beautiful doctor across the lake or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can at. see a you you see the lake. You're looking over a lake. I mean, granted, there's an asshole who lives across of it, which I know yeah. we're going to get to. But you smoke a cigarette, you chilling, and you got six-pack abs. You dope as fuck. You practice in your kung fu. And you just slept with a doctor a few times. Man, it's a good time. It's a good time. Hell it yeah. makes me proud of having the name Dalton. That's why I had to put it in number six. I understand, man. This so movie, please, Roadhouse, Roadhouse is just an all-around man <laughs> movie right here. I love here. that you put it in. I mean, in if you're a man, six. you're going to fucking like this movie, okay? Oh, uh, yeah. And, so Dalton, if you if you haven't seen it, Dalton, 
played by Swayze, is an expert at martial arts and is known for being one of the best bouncers in the country. Please say Dalton as many times as you can. Dalton. So, <laughs> Dalton gets hired by the bar Double Deuce, who has a problem with local thugs that terrorize the place and the customers in, in it. And has the blind guitar player. Yeah. And, and, and the man in charge wants things to stay that way. The man in charge of the local thugs, he wants it to stay that way. But that's not how Dalton does things. And he's going to kick anyone's ass that has that, that he has to keep uh, the bar safe and fun for the other locals. And he gets a little help from Sam Elliott, which I fucking love, because uh, I love that guy. And my favorite line that Sam Elliott says is, that gal's got entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. Oh, dude, I almost said that. Yeah. I love that line. That's yeah, so great. That's a good line. He's one of my favorite actors. And then you mentioned the the last fight scene with that one guy where he rips his throat out. That's that's fucking. I'm not. Bro, gonna... what movie has a th- a li- like a liter- a guy who literally rips a guy's Adam's jugular apple. jugular yeah. out? Yeah, his Adam's apple, his jugular. It's all just ripped the fuck out, and he dies. Yeah, that that fight scene makes the movie. Honestly. So I, I actually I looked up a couple fun facts, but I, yeah. I came across one I wasn't expecting, which was involving Bill Murray. Again. What Bill Murray? Oh, of course. Uh, well, you know me. But apparently this is uh, Bill Murray's, one of his favorite movies, and every time he watches this movie... I love him more now. I know. And every time he watches this movie, he sees the sex scene with Kelly Lynch, and he's friends with her husband, so he gives her a call... In real life, gives Kelly Lynch's husband a call and gives him shit about it, which is just fucking hilarious. Like, I, I could only hope to receive a phone call from Bill Murray for something that like that. Like? Uh, you got me, man. I, you want to try it out? You want to be Bill? I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, sure. Who doesn't want to be Bill Murray for a second? All right. Yeah, Fine, uh, let's do it. Okay, give me a call. You uh, you just found uh, you just watched a movie that I'm in, Charlie Rhodes, and uh, my hypothetical wife was having a sex scene in some movie, and you just watched it as Bill Murray. Okay. Bring, 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 bring. Oh, Charlie Rhodes here. Hey, yeah, this is Bill uh, Murray. What the fuck, Bill Murray? Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I just watched this movie where your wife had sex with another man, and I just wanted to let you know that, man, her body was perfection, and that man's uh, body was perfection. I know, it was Channing Tatum, but don't fucking bring that out. No, 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 I wasn't watching She's the Man. I just want you to know that that your wife is everything that I ever could consume in my lifetime. (laughs) Are you it. crying right now? I, I mean, cry, gonna, cry, cry it out, cry it out. My sex, my sex with my wife is not nearly as good as the sex scene in that movie. You know what would cure that? <laughs> A bigger penis. Uh, I, I don't think it can get bigger. <laughs> You know what? That's just a sad, a, a sad fact. The only thing that would make it bigger is I watched Bill Murray was there. <laughs> oh, do you want me to? Oh, I'll be there. Hey, hey, hold on. What, what state are you in? Montana? I I will say this, Bill. If I if I could have yeah. a threesome Tell it to me real. With another man. Yeah, would it be me? It would be you, Bill. Wow. You're my man. All right. It wouldn't be Channing Tatum? Let's move on. No, fuck no. <laughs> no. I want Bill Murray's ugly mug in my fucking house. All right, all what right? are we on? What are we on? We're going to our top five? We're about to go to top five, but before we do, Dalton, tell them what time it is. It's time for a quote from Charles and a fun fact from Dalton. Benjamin Franklin once said, Wine is constant proof that God loves us and loves to see us happy. 
The first commercial U.S. cell phone was available in 1983, and it weighed two pounds, could only store 30 numbers, took 10 hours to charge, only offered 30 minutes of talk time, and cost just shy of $4,000. Ya bitches. <laughs> number five. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Ooh. That is my number five. Good choice. Came out in 1988. This stars Bob Hoskins, Christopher Lloyd, and Joanna Cassidy. Uh, this is just a fun movie right here, and one of my all-time favorites, where cartoons aren't just cartoons on TV, but they actually live here in the real world with us. Uh, and not everyone likes them. One tune-hating detective is hired to help one of these cartoon characters solve a mystery, though and maybe even save lives of all the cartoons, and even save himself from being a toon hater. Um, really, really, really fun family movie, and still to this day, the only movie that has both Walt Disney and Warner, Brother, uh, Warner Brothers cartoon characters. And they spared no expense. At $70 million, this is the most expensive movie made in the 1980s. Wait, really? Yeah. Wow. I fucking love this movie. And are Was you ready? It all spent on Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> probably. Well, all Animating the all the her? all the animation really probably. I mean, there was a lot of it. Um, but uh Bill Murray's back again. Are you ready for this? Okay? Yeah. I uh, think so. He, but he, just lay it on me, Murray. Well, man. he wasn't in the movie, but they wanted him to be the lead role. Only they couldn't get in contact with him. Like, you mean Bob Hoskins? Yeah, yeah. Instead of Bob Hoskins, they wanted Bill Murray. But they couldn't get in contact with Bill Murray. Because where was he? Uh, he was out being Bill Murray. He's playing golf in Maine, yeah. probably. They wanted him to be the lead role. They couldn't contact him. That's just one of the things I love about Bill Murray. He doesn't, he doesn't even have a publicist or an agent. The man just lives. And if he reads your script and, and he likes it, then he's probably who they're going to hire. Problem is finding the guy. He also said, uh, Bill Murray actually ended up saying that he absolutely would have taken the role if he knew about it, which only would have made this movie, at least for me, like 10 times better. Oh, come on. Bob Hoskins is great, though. Oh, no, he was. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I just, it's Bill Murray. I mean, I'm, I'm going to love it if Bill yeah, Murray played the fan role. Yeah, you fanboy. All right, all right, all right. Go Whatever, ahead. Whatever, man. Like, I, what do you want? We've, what have I said? Bill Murray, like, 15 times in this episode? Can I, can I say it one more time? Bill one Murray. Bill Murray, I love Ooh, you, man. 16. I love you. I love you, Bill. Okay. Oh, 17. <laughs> Another little fun fact about this movie. Uh, it was directed by the same guy as all the Back to the Future movies and Forrest Gump. Robert Zemeckis. So yeah, that's that's a classic movie right here. Watch this. I watch this one at least once a year. If you haven't seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, you're probably gonna ask yourself who framed the murder of me because it was me. I don't know if that made sense, but it didn't. But I believe you all the same. Basically, fuck you if you haven't seen this movie. Go <laughs> go fucking watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Classic movie. My number five, my friend, is Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, I can't even believe I didn't think to put this on mine. You're an idiot. No, it's cool. <laughs> Came out in 1989. It was directed by Ted Kochev, starring Andrew <laughs> what McCarthy. Was that? I don't know. K- Kochev. Ted Ted Kochev. <laughs> God bless you. Did you sneeze on that one? <laughs> uh, you know, all right. But you it's need also. A Hank- 
Kerchief. Give me my handkerchief. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. No problem. Okay. <laughs> Directed by Ted Kerchief. <laughs> handkerchief. <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I, I am not. And it is the man. It's starring Andrew McCarthy, Jonathan Silverman, and Catherine Mary Stewart. Mm. All right, listen, 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 listen. When, you, when it comes to Weekend at Bernie's, it's about two dudes who are trying to move up in a corporation. But they go to the president, Bernie, with a serious financial error. However, Bernie pretends to be glad about it, and then he invites him to his beach house for the weekend, planning to kill them. But Bernie is fooling around with the girlfriend of his mafia partner, and ends up getting himself killed. So, the boys end up pretending Bernie is still alive so as to not be accused themselves. While the hitman who killed him, you know, quote unquote, tries over and over to complete the job, thinking he wasn't successful initially. And it is just a hilarious from start to finish. And it takes place on the beach with light clothes and bikinis, and it is an all-time comedy, and it deserves viewing. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. If you haven't seen Weekend at Bernie's, you need to, and if you have, you know why it's on my list. That was that was beautiful. Thank you, man. I mean, like, did it make you cry a little Do bit? Do you have time to tell that whole synopsis again? Because yeah. was, that was great. All right, you want me to say right, next time? Okay. Two dudes are trying to no, move no, up. No, in no, a- no, no, no. Number four for me. Coming to America. Whoa, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yes, Eddie Murphy. This movie came out in 1988, directed by John Landis. Of course, like I just said, it stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, Sherry Heedley, John Amos, Louis Anderson, Samuel L. Jackson, and even Cuba Gooding Jr.'s very first role. Uh, this is another classic Wait, 80s Cuba Gooding's movie. first? Yeah, very first wow. role. Wow, okay. Another classic 80s movie right here, where Eddie Murphy plays the Prince of Zamunda in Africa and is completely pampered. I mean, the man doesn't even wipe his own ass, okay? And his father, the king, has arranged for him to be married, only he doesn't love her, and he has never done anything for himself. So he wants to change that and find love on his own terms. So he moves to Queens, New York, to find his queen. Good movie. Gives away all his money and clothing and lives in a shithole and starts working at a knockoff McDonald's called McDowell's. Um, it's just such a hilarious movie with a great cast. Uh, Eddie Murphy plays several roles in this. Uh, for uh, <clears throat> Eddie Murphy plays several roles in this. First time he ever had multiple roles, but certain certainly not the last, obviously. But I love him playing the old Jewish man in the barbershop. That's such a great scene where they're all fighting about like boxing and Rocky Marciano and all that, um, and which according to Eddie Murphy, he played the Jewish man as sort of a payback to Jewish actors doing blackface in old movies. Uh, fun little wow, fact, really? yeah. And here's my favorite fact of this movie. I mean, I I almost got a boner when I fucking read this. I couldn't believe it. So I I can't even believe I didn't. Notice me in the eye. I didn't even notice. Like I can't believe I didn't notice this when I was when I've watched the movie. But the national anthem for the fictional country Zamunda is the same national anthem for the fictional country Fredonia in the Marx Brothers movie Duck Soup. 
Same national what? anthem. Dude, my mind was fucking blown. I, oh my God. I I literally could not believe that when I, I had to go back and watch the movie just to, just to see if it was true. And it is. And I, I love it. I mean, if it's Marx Brothers, I fucking love it. So, uh, number four for me, Coming to America. Great movie. Just got greater because of that fact. On to you, sir. All right, man. Good choice. My number four is The Princess Bride. Nice. It's a classic movie. Everybody knows it. And if they don't, they need to go see it. And we know this. But it came out in 1987. It was directed by Rob Reiner, starring Carrie Yowis, Andre the Giant, Mandy Patinkin of uh, Criminal Minds fame, mm-hmm. and Robin Wright of... Uh, Forrest Gump. Well, yes, she was... Uh, Jenny. She was Jenny, but but Jenny. I was I was gonna say Wonder Woman fame. She was the mom of Wonder Woman. But anyway, anyway, I mean, come on. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You know. And then it also has as you wish, which basically means I love you. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. An elderly man reads the book of the same title. You know, The Princess Bride, to his sick grandson who doesn't think he'll like a story about romance but ends up loving it because it has the dead pirate roberts yeah yeah so anyway so many memorable moments from this movie two for me are the the part where we get vizini played by wallace sean saying inconceivable in the line (laughs) you keep using that word i do not think it means what yeah, inconceivable. I do not – you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. But it's so simple. All right, all right, all right let's move on to the next part. Inconceivable. So so when he's sitting there and, and, and he's he's about to drink the poison, he's trying to figure out whether he should drink the poison with Carrie Yowis' character, the dead pirate Roberts. And he says, but it's so simple. All I have to do is divine from what I know of you. Are you the sort of man who would put the poison into his own goblet or his enemies? Now, a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. And yada, 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 until he dies from the poison. And then it's revealed that Carrie Yowis, as the dead pirate Roberts, poisoned both, and he has just developed a, co- a tolerance for both. I, I love this movie, he's man. A, he, not, not both, but he's developed a tolerance for the poison over time. And he's poisoned both, and it's just, uh, dude, it's just a hilarious moment. Andre the Giant, the whole, the whole scene. Anybody want was, to yeah. And then you have the, the like, it's so obvious when he's fighting Inigo Montoya, Manny Patinkin, and there's, it's so obvious that there's the, the, the platforms below them that are gonna take their falls. It's a hilarious movie. There's so much more that I could, but I'm not going to because I don't want to spoil anything because it's that great of a movie. I, I'm with you. I mean, this didn't make my top 10, but it will make my top 10, I believe, adventure films. So we will talk about it again. Number three for me is... It's okay. Number three for me is Clue, a 1985 Ooh. film by Jonathan Lynn. This is starring Tim Curry, who is amazing, uh, Madeline Kane, uh, Arkan, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mole. Eileen Brennan, and Leslie Ann Warren. A movie based on a board game. Yes, you heard me correctly. Not based on a book, but based simply on the board game Clue. And they did it to perfection, man. Like, So, 
If you at least like the board game, then you are sure to enjoy this movie. I fucking love this movie. I watch it all the time, and it never gets old. Who done it? Where was it done? How did they kill them? Was it Colonel Mustard in the library with a revolver? Or perhaps Mrs. Peacock in the ballroom with a candlestick? Well, you're going to have to watch the movie to find out. And there are three different endings to this movie. Yes, three different endings to this movie. When th- when this movie was playing in theaters back in 1985, I'm glad you're mentioning this. The newspaper ad would indicate which version was playing where by say- saying ending A, ending B, or ending ending C. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and no theater would play the same version. So that's really fucking cool. Even better if you're like me and you have the DVD. You can put it on random and be surprised, and you'll never know. Fun little fact that I never even noticed until last time I saw this was that when each character drives up to the mansion, their cars are the same color as their game piece in the game, Uh, which is weird because uh, if you watch the movie, you would think that they'd be wearing the color, like their clothing would be the same color as their game piece, but it's not. But anyway. um, That's a good fact, man. I know. A lot of a lot of wordplay in this movie and a lot of puns, which um, I, I'm not a bowler, but is right up my alley. So uh, you said that before. Uh, yeah, but we deleted it before. So <laughs> so um, uh, in- including P- Professor Plum, he works for the United Nations Organization for the World Health Organization. The joke there, in short, is he worked for you know who, like. U-N-O-W-H-O. You know who. Which, I mean, clue. That's hilarious. Um, Another little fun fact is Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson, was once considered to play the butler, which I still think would have been good, but uh, Tim Curry killed this role. Yeah, Tim Curry was... Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. Anyway, uh, one of my all-time favorite films, so if you haven't seen it, get a clue. Go watch Clue. And my number three, Charles, is going to be Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ah, yes. Yeah, it was uh, made in 1981, directed by, you know, some dude named Steven Spielberg. Spielberg? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some famous guy who eventually made a lot of great movies. Like every great movie. Like AI, you know. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So... It was also, did you know that it was written by George Lucas and I, I did. Lawrence Kasdan? I, I, I didn't know about the Lawrence Kasdan, but yeah, I knew I knew George, uh, George Lucas for sure. I mean, Yeah, this was a movie that like George, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, they wanted to make together. Tag teamed it. Yeah, they basically tag teamed it. Uh, in South Park, they raped Indy with the fourth movie. And I love that I you agree brought with. South Park into this. <laughs> but it, it stars Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. Karen Allen, and Paul Freeman. And dude, just... I didn't like this the first time I saw it, like That's about five years ago. Shocking. Then about like 2015. I'm gonna be honest. Like I saw it on like TV, and I was like, eh, you know. I and and this movie, watching it, made me not care for the Indiana Jones movies altogether. Hmm. And I'm gonna be honest. I saw King Kingdom of the Crystal Skull oh, in theaters. That was terrible. But I liked it because, well, I like Shia LaBeouf, so I'll, I'll take it. You know. Yeah. But ultimately, this movie, I I saw it. For the first time in actual theaters about a, a month ago, uh, my my good friend Jim Daly, he uh, invited me to come watch it to this theater out in Marietta. They were playing old school movies. 
it was during COVID. So like you could, you could be spread out. You could wear a face mask, not sit next to somebody and watch an old school movie, but on the big screen. And so I saw this one because it was his choice and I fucking loved it, man. When I watched it on the big screen, on the big screen and I saw the, I saw everything that happened and then the, the sound coming in as well. It just made it something that I really enjoyed. And so I had to put it on. As number three, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a great movie. It's the best of the Indiana Jones, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. So that's my number three. Da 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 Don't you forget about me. Yeah, my number two is The Breakfast Club, directed by John Hughes. Came out in 1985. And, of course, this stars Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, (laughs) Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, and Paul Gleason. Oh, man, this movie just has 80s written all over it. And easily one of my greatest movies ever made. John Hughes is just a fucking genius yet again. I, I, I love this high school movie where, you know, a bunch of very different types of kids are stuck in the same room together uh, at, at school on a Saturday. And we already talked about sun, uh, summer school, but did you ever have Saturday school, Dalton? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I actually did, and it sucked. But uh, anyway, to the outside world, they were simply a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Ah, man, I, I could I could quote this movie with my brother all day, and this is this is probably my brother's number one movie of all time, let alone '80s movies. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, th- this is one of the few films that was actually shot in sequence, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, like like it was like, shot in order, yeah, which is almost unheard of. You know, yeah, no. Um, yeah. Also, I read that uh, John Hughes uh, wrote this movie in two days. He wrote it on July 4th and July 5th of, like, 1983 or something like that. Um, I wish I could do that. I mean, write a screenplay in two days and turn it into one of the best movies ever yeah, made. Yeah, right? Oh, man. Good luck, brother. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, this this movie's just so damn funny. Uh, Bender makes this whole movie. The Criminal, Bender makes this movie, man, like... Him and the, the the brain Brian and also the teacher um, Vernon was his name. I love I love the part where he's like, "Excuse me, Dick. I mean, Rich. Will milk be made available to us?" <laughs> <laughs> I also love uh, when when Vernon's like, "What if your home? What if your family? What if your dope was on fire?" Impossible, sir. It's in Johnson's underwear. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> and I I also love when uh, Bender takes the screw out of the door so that it closes. And uh, Vernon, the teacher, has the, the jock help put like a magazine stand in front of the door to keep it open. But it, but it blocks the way of the entire door. And Bender goes, that's very clever, sir. But what if there's a fire? I think violating fire codes and endangering the lives of children would be unwise at this juncture in your career, sir. And, just, and, 
And then like he just looks at the jock and goes, "What are you doing? What the, what the hell are you doing? Get this out of here for Christ's sake!" <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I could honestly quote this movie for like hours. I mean, of course not hours, because then I would quote the entire movie. But let's just move on. That's my number two, Breakfast Club. Go watch that fucking movie. Even if you've seen it, watch it again. You want to hear my number two? Yeah, let's go. My number two is another animated movie. I wanted to put it on this list because it's deserving. It came out in the 80s, 1982. It is The Secret of Nim. Wow, that is a fucking throwback. I know, I know, I know. So, it was directed in 1982 by Don Bluth. It stars the voice talents of Elizabeth Hartman. Derek Jacoby and Do DeLuise. Dom DeLuise? Uh, probably Dom DeLuise. I oh might have missed yeah. the. End. I didn't even know that Dom. <laughs> I, I it's Dom know. DeLuise. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know Dom DeLuise was, was Dom a DeLuise? voice actor for that. I yeah. love him, man. He is he is brilliant. So the thing about this movie, it's uh, an hour and twenty minutes, so it's very digestible and it's very deserving of a watch. So like, it's not going to take all of your day. Just go ahead and watch it if you haven't seen it. So I guarantee it. You're going to be happy. It's an animation at its purest. It's powerful and it's original. Mrs. Brisby, a widowed mouse, is preparing to move her family out of the field as humans are starting to farm it. But her son has gotten sick and moving him could kill him. So she visits the great owl who instructs her to go to the rats. And I won't give much more away there, but just know that it's a good ride with adult themes that plays on... The horrors that animals face on a regular basis with an additional horrific human element implemented as well. That's all I'm going to say about it. I just love this movie. And if you haven't seen it, I hope that you want to, given what I just said. It is a a good movie. I haven't seen that since I was a child either. But I'm with you, man. Like that. I'm surprised I didn't think of it. Uh, another one that you came up with that I didn't think of to put in my top ten. That's a, that's a good movie. There you right go. There. I mean, you have plenty that I I didn't think of, so yeah. it's cool. I, I'm, well, I'm I'm happy that our top tens like have lately not been the same. Right. I mean, plus I mean we're talking about '80s. We we have a whole decade of movies. So exactly. I mean, and we're only picking ten. So oh, Charles, what is your number one? We're on number oh, one. Oh, right? my number one. Ooh, here we go. It's showtime. My Ooh. number one is Beetlejuice. 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 Oh, fuck yeah. You know it already, man. Like, I fucking love this movie. This was an easy number one choice for me. I probably watch this movie like five times a year. I'm not even kidding. I've, th- this th- The only reason that it wasn't on my uh, top childhood favorites was because I knew it would be my number one 80s movie. Oh, okay, okay. Like, I, fu- I just love it. Michael you know? Keaton, man. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's got Gina Michael Davis. Keaton. Gina Davis, Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. At, at one of his best. Uh, Before he got, got old and fat. You got Catherine O'Hara, the mom from uh, Home Alone. Yeah. You got Jeffrey Jones again, and Winona, I Wish I Could Ride Her. So, uh, <laughs> and, and it's directed by Tim Burton, and this is probably my favorite Tim Burton film. Uh, although all of his movies are great and fucking weird. But uh, this, is, this is one of the best. And this is about a couple who just died... And are stuck in their huge house, and a horrible family moves in, and changes everything in the home that they loved so much. And uh, none of none of that family can see them because they're dead, except for the daughter Winona Ryder, um, who was I think her character name was Lydia. 
Um, but the, the couple can't stand it, and so they try to scare them out of the house with no success, uh, which gets the attention of the bio-exorcist Beetlejuice. And he does some questionable stuff. Anyway, I'm not going to get too much into the details, uh, but all I can really say is that this is easily one of my all-time favorite movies, and let's get into some fun facts. Uh, fun fact number one, my favorite star in the in the galaxy that we can see from, from Earth yeah, is named Beetlejuice. Oh, shit, okay. It's spelled differently. It's actually spelled how Beetlejuice in the movie's actual name is spelled, but not, like, the title of the movie. Ooh, how's it spelled? Which is, well, the, the movie is spelled B-E- Beetle like a, like a bug and Juice yeah. like Juice. Right. But the uh, star and his name, the bioexorcist, his name is spelled B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. Uh, which is like more like Beetlegeist sort of, yeah. But okay. um, well, German to it. But it's it's my favorite star. It was actually this movie was named after that red star, and I picked that star when I was, for whatever reason, picking my favorite star. I picked that before I even knew its name. So when I learned it, of course, it made it even better, and it will always be my favorite star. Even though apparently, according to NASA and whatnot, uh, that star is actually a it's a it's a giant red dwarf, but it's actually uh, f- as far as we know, it could already be gone. But because you know light right, takes yeah, so yeah. long to get here, that we won't know about it until a while. But it, it could already that star could actually already Charles. be like a, you know dissolved. So anyway, supernova. Yeah, exactly. Um, this movie was also the very first DVD that Netflix sent out in 1998. Oh shit! Which I didn't even realize that Netflix was that old, but I do remember when they were like Redbox and they just sent you movies, um, which, of course, my family, we never really did that because we loved going to uh, Blockbuster. Um, anyway, I, another little fun fact uh, is it's funny that I, I read that Alec Baldwin dislikes this whole movie. like He hates it. Really? And he was very unhappy with his performance. Personally, I think it's one of the only movies where I liked his acting. So, eh, well, that just goes hey. to say, you know, Alec Baldwin. No, for Red, Red October. Well, yeah, and that one, yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah. him in that, which we talked about before. Um, but of course, Michael Keaton got the role of Beetlejuice, but a lot of actors were actually considered for the role, uh, including Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Christopher Lloyd. Jim Carrey, Tim Curry, Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, John Cleese, and you guessed it, my main man, Bill, Bill Murray. fucking Murray. Yes, Bill fucking wow. Murray. Other than Bill Murray, it would have been Michael Keaton. Right, exactly. I, see, and other than them two, Robin Williams. And 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 I was gonna say that like I like to sit and picture the movie with any of those guys playing Beetlejuice, but. I think Burton got it right, man. He picked he the perfect guy. He did. He did. He like, did. It, it's even like Michael Michael Keaton, oddly enough, he actually turned down the role the first time he read really? the script. Yeah. Saying, and I quote, I just don't get it. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. But anyway, he, he ended up uh, accepting the role, and uh, that's that's my my number one movie from the 1980s. 
uh, the weird and wonderful Beetlejuice. Dalton, what's your number one, man? You want to hear it? No, I just asked because I, I wanted to move things along. Yeah, of course <laughs> I want to hear it. What you got? My number one is Howard the Duck. No. I'm just kidding. I was about to say. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My number one 1980s movie is The Thing. Mm. And I'm serious about this one. It is The Thing. It's not going to be in my horrors. It's not going to be my monster movie. I had to put it because this is quintessential 80s, in my opinion. It came out in 1982, directed by the one, the only John Carpenter, based on another film called The Thing from Another World, which John Carpenter loved and wanted to adapt. And it stars Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and the best man that I told you I was going to bring up, Keith David. Ah, Keith David's the man. So it's about a crew of a U.S. research station in Antarctica. They go to a Norwegian station, also in Antarctica, where a helicopter crashed. They find a strange creature there, and they bring it back to their base where they discover that the creature is an alien life form. And it is revealed that this creature can assimilate itself into other life forms, all the way down to their memories and speech, and can spread just like a virus. So it's like Ditto from Pokemon. Basically, I mean, like, <laughs> Ditto from Pokemon basically took itself from the thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, eh, honestly, that's a good way of putting it. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you know both, then you're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But listen, I love this movie, man, because it's been copied in many other movies and TV shows. One Dimension is supernatural. That's one. Of, when we get to TV shows, when we get there, of TV yeah. dramas or and maybe TV shows that incorporate supernatural. Supernatural is going to be my favorite one because it's one of my favorite TV shows in an episode called Rufus Farewell, you idiot. And if you if you know Supernatural, you know the episode I'm talking about. Alternatively, it is also titled And Then There Were None. It's a great episode. You should definitely check it out if you love Supernatural. Well, if you if you love Supernatural, you've definitely checked it out. If you have never seen Supernatural, watch that episode and you'll be like, oh, I get it. It's definitely a resemblance of the thing. Nice. It's a sci-fi thriller, man, that has people still guessing to this day whether the final two characters, Childs, played by Keith David, and McReady, played by Kurt Russell, are assimilated themselves. You're wondering whether they, whether they have been assimilated themselves or whether just one is, and whether McReady gives Childs gasoline to drink to prove that he's been assimilated. And, well, you know, it goes from there. One of the truest and best sci-fi horror thrillers out there if you have not seen it please view the shit out of it and pay attention because you will be upset if you miss a second of it you should pay attention to every single second that goes by because you will miss it if you don't and that's why i had to put it in my top 10 1980s films i love this film i saw it at a horror movie film showing that a friend kurt miller on my other podcast who's been a guest put on with his lovely wife eileen I came, I saw The Fly, and then I saw this right after it, and I was like, holy fucking shit, this movie is amazing. And then you know, you, you want to know what we watched after the thing? We watched Shining, which ah, is going to be in one of my other lists, and we'll get to that. But We're definitely going to get to the It Shining. was a great night, man. I was on like four weed brownies. It was great. It was great, and so I had to put it as my number one. Nice. Well, that was our top 10 1980s films. And that concludes this episode. On the very next episode, we are going to discuss 
the movie Groundhog Day, which I don't think Dalton has seen before. Not since I was like five years old. Okay, so he has seen it, but it's been yeah. a while. This is a movie I watch every Groundhog Day, uh, February 2nd. So we're going to discuss that movie, and after that we are going to talk about our favorite top ten animated series. I can't wait. That's going to be cool. That's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. It's going to be so um, different. You know what? You know what it's really going to be? It's going to be a, a real, real treat. treat. Deuces.